following podcast covers the new work health and safety legislation and how it relates to the agricultural industry. Vanessa Hahn hosts a roundtable discussion with three other members of the regional WorkSafe team, Ian Dainty, Andy Abbey and Julie Gaunt. They explore the main differences between the old and new legislation and what this means to PCBUs, who are also workers. Hi, I'm Vanessa Hahn and I'm from WorkSafe. Joining me today are my teammates Ian Dainty, Andy Abbey and Julie Gaunt. We're from the regional team. Today we're going to be discussing then and now changes to the future in agriculture and how does the new legislation apply to you? So Ian, I know that you were heavily involved with the um, new legislation, the Act and Regs. Can you walk us through this, please? The new legislation, it was a proposal put forward by the McGowan government that they were going to update, overhaul the health and safety laws and the idea being that we would harmonise with with the other states. So the OSH Act um, was repealed as of, I think, the 30th of March this year and the new work health and safety rules came in. Now in the new work health and safety rules, there's nothing specific to agriculture that that springs to mind, Um, but there were a number of drivers in bringing in that legislation and and one of those key things was harmonisation. So the laws and the rules would be pretty similar across the whole of Australia. The regulations do a number of things. One is that they they actually, um, if in, in effect, hold more people are accountable. So more people have responsibilities to ensure safe workplaces, to ensure safety to themselves and to ensure safety to others than was previously the case. And, it, and it's more... Um, it's laid out more in black and white, although I admit, you know, I don't know any government legislation that's actually easy to read, but it, it, it does specify more in black and white as to who should be responsible for things. The other thing that it did, uh, and it's not always the nicest part of the legislation, it, it brought in um, some significant penalties for those people who are um, found guilty of doing the wrong thing. On one hand, um, it's it's a lot of money and it also in some instances comes potentially with jail time. On the other side of that coin, it puts perhaps a closer value, monetary value on, on an injury or a fatality or something like, like that. The other thing that those penalties do is they perhaps focus people's minds on trying to create safer workplaces for themselves and for those that they work with. The Legislation also talks more about, so far as reasonably practicable, and more about um, what is reasonably practicable. So it's risk-based legislation as opposed to black and white legislation. The benefit of the risk-based legislation is it, it allows anybody who has a responsibility under that legislation to give some thought and consideration to what it is they're going to do to achieve the safe workplace. So not one size fits all. And as we know in the agricultural world, there are a variety of agricultural types, be that broadacre, be that you know, dairy, be that pastoralist and so on and so forth. And so one size doesn't fit all. So now it actually gives an opportunity to those people conducting a business or undertaking to, to have a say or better say in, in how they do their work. Is that enough for now? It is. <laughs> um, I, I do like the fact that there are you know definitions and, for instance, even the fact that students have been brought into the legislation where previously they weren't, work experience, volunteers, um, contractors, and a question that I was asked 
um, a while back at the Darren Field Day was what duty of care do farmers have when they have contractors coming onto their farms? How how do they, you know, if they want to get the contractor to do an induction, the contractors aren't doing the induction, what can they do? So it definitely needs to be better managed than what it has been in, yeah. in uh, previous years. When a contractor comes onto your workplace, um, whether it's your vet, someone building yards, mm-hmm. picking up your milk from your dairy farm, that contractor needs to be aware of what hazards are there. They need to have some kind of form of communication with you at your workplace and you need to have an idea of when they're arriving, when they're leaving. That's not to say that you need to be there to meet and greet your your uh, milk tanker, but it does mean that you have an obligation to make sure that their passage onto your property is safe, that they have some um, details for calling for assistance should they require it, there's been an injury or they um, come to grief somewhere. And it is reasonable to be able to do an induction by an email these days. So you can send an email out to your local vet with um, property details, contact numbers, call um, signs maps, all of those things, and then if you're having the vet come out, he already has an awareness of what the risks might be. Um, similarly, I've had a lot of um, agricultural people say, oh, um, the SEC or SECWA or Western Power come onto our farm and how can we manage them because we never know when they're coming. They have their own keys to gates. So with that knowledge that they are coming on site, it's your responsibility as the workplace to make sure that it's safe for them to go there. So um, sometimes I've seen um, signs put up in bull paddocks, for example, that if they're going to enter this paddock to check some power poles, they'll need to make arrangements to do that prior so livestock can be removed from that vicinity. It's quite simple, really. It's very simple, very similar to the beware of the dog sign that you put on your front gate, isn't it? Yeah, because one of the differences with the legislation, the new legislation is, is, whereas in the old legislation, it focused very much on an employer-employee relationship. This legislation is more all-encompassing, so it refers to rather than employer, a uh, person conducting a business or undertaking, which then uh, sort of um, includes under that not just employees but but uh, contractors and um, yeah managers, person who's managing a site, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. there is also more emphasis as well on the worker taking care for mm-hmm. themselves, so they have their own duty of care and that they should follow reasonable instructions and they should take reasonable actions to take care of themselves. So again, I think it reinforces the idea that everybody has a everybody in that business in that activity has a role in making sure it's done as safely as it can be done. The burning question though is um, with agriculture these are more often than not they're family family owned farms. How does the legislation interact with this is something that um, yeah. I've seen uh, that there really needs to be a growing awareness. Mm-hmm. I guess when people say to me, oh, we're a family farm or family business, uh, what I say to them actually is you're, you're, you're a business. The combination of mum, dad, brothers, sisters, aunties and uncles really is neither here nor there when it comes to the legislation. So um, if you're operating as a business, then all of the Act and regulations does actually apply to you. So it's important for farmers to get their heads around that, that there aren't concessions because you are a family farm. And if you compare it to legislation, for example, with the Road Traffic Act, um, if I, for example, was driving my daughter somewhere and I was driving um, like a maniac and caused an accident and and killed her, um, under the Road Traffic Act, there would be a a natural outrage from the general public and they would want to see a proper punishment applied to me. 
what I've noted in family um, farming situations is that um, when there is a father who kills a son, for example, in a work activity, it tends to be that um, they look at it like a terrible family tragedy rather than a workplace incident. And I really think we need to get our heads around the changes that the work health safety legislation brings in, that, um, that it's a business constituted of family members um, that the Act and regulations does apply to. Absolutely, because as as the PCBU, you treat each family member who's legitimately working on your farm as an employee. Correct. Um, and and that's no different to family-owned restaurant businesses or or you know little shops. It's no different. They have the same. The legislation still applies. Yes, it does. Yeah, and I think that um, there needs to be a, a growing awareness in um, WA agriculture that that is actually the case. That um, that there aren't any concessions for family businesses. Um, uh, there's also the idea of um, training. I think it's it's really important um, because I find often it's just it's knowledge passed down, but it's not a lot of formal training that goes into using equipment, um, working on farms, looking at risks and, and identifying hazards, looking at the risk assessments. There needs to be more formalised process around this, even if it is just your family. It has to be formal, it has to be documented. Um, yes, you would have seen this, Andy, um, going into the vegetable farms where um, they have an item of plant, for example, like a forklift, and um, and their farmers will say to you, I don't need a licence because I own it personally, um, where in fact the legislation is quite different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with forklifts in particular, you do need what's called a high-risk work licence. Um, with tractors, they're, they are, they're different. You don't need a, a licence per se to, to drive a tractor, but what you do need is to make sure that the person that's using that, that tractor has been verified as competent to drive it and that means as uh, the person conducting the business or undertaking must be able to have some system in place to assess that they are comfortable that that person is is able to drive a tractor competently it's not just a case of here's the keys away you go they've got to demonstrate that they know what they're doing so how do you think they might do that given that and again from my own experience from the uk that um, you know, a lot of young children drive farm tractors, old Land Rovers, and that sort of stuff on, on the farm because they can legally do that, uh, and they're often given the keys and, and away they go, and they actually begin to learn their road sense on that. How, how does that translate to four, five, six years later when we introduce or we say we need to do some sort of competency training? How do you think we might manage that? Well, when it comes down to um, operating of plant, obviously, what we wanted to do is um, to see that. People do have a knowledge, and the knowledge of that particular plant in general will effectively come from an operational manual. Um, so, looking at the information that's provided within that, in a lot of um, heavy type plant, they'll uh, preclude the use by children or people um, under a certain age to operate that plant, and that really needs to be taken note in a workplace where that applies. I have um, been to farms where I've seen children as young as eight um, driving loaders. Um, with blocks of wood attached to the pedal so they can reach them when the cl- clearly the manual states that that shouldn't be the case. Now that's all good and, and fine until there's an well, incident. Sorry, even common sense tells you that that's probably even not common the best sense way tells you that's not the best way. So um, I guess what farmers do need to be um, 
to be realising is that if you're going to put your child into a situation that the manufacturer of that plant deems to be um, a hazard, um, you can expect that the outcome might not always be a good outcome. Yeah, and of course, you know, as kids get older, they they may be capable of driving plant, of using plant, but they have to be supervised. It's no good just walking away and leaving them to their own devices. They need to be supervised. I think also being a really good example to um, your growing family on a farm. So in general, I often will see several generations involved in farming. So mum and dad and son and daughter and then the the children. And so um, doing the things like wearing a seatbelt, operating at reasonable speeds, um, making sure that you do work safely and that you communicate what it is that you are doing safely to younger generations will then grow them up with that idea of this is how the work is done. Yeah, absolutely. It's important that adults uh, demonstrate good, safe work practices to the younger That's... generation coming through. Yes, absolutely. Farmers tend to do their own repairs because obviously it's it's easier to get onto a roof and fix it than it is to try and get a trade in. Um, and, you know, we've had fatalities, fall from height fatalities, relating to this um, because your core business is, you know, you're in the dairy industry. You're not somebody who fixes roofs. or But if they're going to be doing that, there there's obviously um, regulations surrounding work from heights. So there's quite a few issues that I think it's important for farmers to be aware of in terms of going out and just fixing their farms without necessarily having the relevant skills to do it. And you do tend to see that farmers are jack of all trades. Yes. Um, And I've seen some fairly scary things that have been put together. Uh, Vehicles propped up on bricks while someone works underneath it. Uh, Little bits of fencing wire used to secure uh, front-end loader parts to a tractor. So why is it that we accept, whilst that wouldn't be acceptable out on a public road, why would we think that it's acceptable on our own private property? I think a lot of these things are very short-term solutions that never get rectified in the long term. It's a matter of just cobble things together and carry on. And I really think that the new legislation just doesn't allow that anymore. It's getting people into a place where now we need to plan, we need to have a greater forethought. Does that come back to that so far as reasonably practicable? Absolutely it does. Yeah, it does. It is reasonable that if you're going to be working on a vehicle that you've jacked up, that you're going to think about how you can jack it up safely and not um, not put yourself or any other person at risk. That's reasonable. We know it's doable. And the expectation now is that people will do that. I suppose the converse to that is that we know it's reasonable and practical because we've got so many sad, tragic examples of a jack giving way and somebody suffering as a consequence mm. of that. Mm. There's been many over the years. It takes it to the point that People would think it's private property, so I can do whatever I want. But you also have to remember that it's a registered business. So whatever you're doing, it's part of your business undertakings. There does seem to be a little confusion, Vanessa, when it comes to that. Family businesses often feeling that um, they can opt into or out of legislation um, purely at their own discretion. And um, that's obviously not the case. If you've got an ABN, if you're operating as a business, um, then the the law does apply to you and you are expected to adhere to that. 
um, as I say, backfilling afterwards. It's just not an option to um, to cause an injury to somebody and then decide to pick up and, and do the right thing. Now's the time to think about it. Um, the legislation really hasn't changed a lot. It's the penalties that have changed and the obligations that have changed. Can I throw in there as well perhaps the elephant in the room, which is the industrial manslaughter yeah. uh, element of the new legislation, which I know has concerned many people. Um I, I, and to kind of reiterate what, what you're saying there, Julie, there, the, in, to all intents and purposes, the reality is, is that if you were compliant under the previous legislation, you're probably compliant under this legislation. If I go back to the industrial manslaughter uh, element, whilst that wasn't included in the OSH Act, um, the element of the OSH had, had a thing called gross negligence in it. And from my perspective, gross negligence and industrial manslaughter are, are not the same, but they're not dissimilar. And to to be fat or to be prosecuted or to, or to be found of guilty of one of those or the other, there's a there's some set criteria that need to be met to allow that to happen, and they're quite well detailed in the regulations. Um, so whilst things can go wrong, uh, an industrial manslaughter is one of the new penalties. It certainly wouldn't be. I certainly don't think it would be one of the first things that we do. We we're very much in, in, into the inform and educate. Um, as 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 our probably, uh, and then go into our main enforcement tools. But I just think, I thought I'd throw industrial manslaughter out there, and if people are concerned about it, then please go and have a look at the act, um, and actually read the criteria that that applies to that. And I think people would be reassured um, that if they actually don't meet those criteria, then they're close to doing the right thing. Definitely the intent of the legislation was never to fill the prisons with farmers. Oh, that's, absolutely. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what our intent is doing. And industrial manslaughter really boils down to knowing that something is very hazardous and there's a risk of someone becoming seriously injured or killed as a result of doing, and the average person would never send someone to do a job like that. Yeah. Not in this day and age. I think it's worth mentioning that you know, the, the role of WorkSafe isn't, isn't to catch people out. I mean, although we are in a... Uh, a regulatory agency and you know we can prosecute and we can find people and that sort of thing we're also here well basic role is really to seek compliance and to get people to comply with the legislation Um, good safety is good business essentially so that's what we're we're really trying to encourage you know to just keep people safe it's like another form of insurance really Mm, that's absolutely right i also feel as well is that why can't we go to workplaces and look at all the good things that they do? Because we do know that most people go to work most days of the week trying to do the right thing. And that should also be rewarded. And where people are doing the right thing, we should be telling them they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know from being an inspector and going out there, I will particularly make note of all of the good things that people have done. Um, that's reflected in, in uh, my records. And then if there's an event in the future, we, what we can demonstrate is um, that this uh this farming group was actually making every effort to get things right, and um, and in in an instance that can often help in a long term outcome. Yeah. So one one of the things that, and I expect you're the same, Judy. You go to a workplace and you see some some uh, business doing a particularly good thing. They've got a particularly good idea, and when you go to another business who are doing the, the same thing, you're able to share that idea with them and. Absolutely. I often will say to people, you know, I can't tell you what to do, but I have seen other people in your industry do this, for example. And it does help them to come up with their own strategies. Mm -hmm. So this leads us to the fact that inspectors, whilst they come out to inspect farms, they're also there to assist you and, and provide 
advice and, and give you some feedback based on what other farms have done. Um, I found when there was talk of the new legislation coming in, um, you know, p- people around were quite nervous about it. But what I really like is what Ian has said, is that if you're compliant with the old legislation, then you're compliant with the new. There's just a few things that have been tweaked, especially fines, manslaughter charges. But really, if you're doing the right thing before, your chances are you're continuing to do the right thing. Essentially, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. it it wasn't revolutionary change; it was an evolutionary change. That's correct. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. You got two sets of legislation here. You got the the act, and you've got the regulations. And the regulations are more specific to particular hazards. So, for example, that they would cover things like hazardous substances. Working at heights. Working at heights. There's also a new thing in there about diving. So they go into detail about Mm. particular areas. But they still Uh, don't tell you what to do. They're still risk-based as opposed to prescription. That's right. They recognise that the the agricultural industry that we're talking about has their own level of expertise and um, and we do leave a space for them to do certain activities in a way that they've calculated is safe for them to do so. Um, I guess the thing that I would highly recommend to people is that they document that thought procedure if they're going to plan an activity and that the regulations don't cover that activity, document how you came to an outcome of this is the way we're going to do it. And it does help you Mm. to work out whether it's a way of doing it safely. That's brilliant advice, Julie. Um, Do we have any final thoughts? I I believe, as I said, that the number one thing with the work health legislation is to make sure you keep good records. If you're having a conversation about safety with workers um, or contractors, some dot points to document what you actually talked about. Inductions really should Mm -hmm. be signed by both parties and dated. They become then a contract. Um, that a person should do certain things certain ways or not do certain things at all. They're important records when it comes down to um, a WorkSafe investigation that you can show evidence of what it is that you did to prevent an incident. I think as well is that, you know, as regulators, okay, I was heavily involved in the development of the WHS regulations and and, and a little bit of the Act here. Um, We're still learning the process ourselves. Um, so I would say to, to any of our listeners that if you've got a question, then please don't be afraid to ask um, and we will try and find an answer for you. Yes, if farmers would like to speak to a WorkSafe inspector uh, directly, there is a number that they can call, uh, which goes directly to our call centre. It's one three zero zero three zero seven eight seven seven, And they can call any day of the week and uh, yeah, speak directly to a, a WorkSafe inspector. Yeah, and you can even request that a WorkSafe inspector attends your workplace, does a walk-around inspection and assists you in finding out where those hazards are that perhaps haven't been addressed well enough. We're more than happy to do that. All very useful suggestions. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you.